now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And welcome aboard to the bat around on this Saturday, December 9th. And there are no guys with the apostrophes, meaning Craig Heist is not here. There is another guy here, though. That's Bonza Tufam, Stan the Fan. And we've got an exciting and dynamic edition of the bat around starting right now. News has just broken in the last hour. I got text, Bonza. I got two texts, one from Adam Gladstone and one from my friend Till Strudwick, uh, saying, hey, did you hear that the Yankees got uh, Giancarlo Stanton? The other from from uh, Adam Gladstone said uh, something to the effect that uh, forevermore the center field position will be changed to a guy that just has to avoid getting hit by two monsters in the outfield. <laughs> Although the initial reports of this trade – don't take Brett Gardner or Aaron Hicks out of the Yankees' everyday lineup. So it appears that Giancarlo Stanton will be an expensive, oft-times designated hitter in the American League. So assuming this trade does happen... Yes, and we, we want to be careful. It's reported to, reported that the teams have agreed still to be... Uh, certified because Giancarlo Stanton has to approve the deal, which we anticipate he will, mm-hmm. and B, he has to pass a Yankees physical, which is not the Orioles physical, so we do think he'll pass <laughs> that as well. It's But let me ask you, if Stanton does go, obviously he'd probably be in right field where Aaron Judge is playing. Who would you trust uh, in right field? I, I got to be honest with you. I think they're, they're a... a a flip of a coin, and I think that the right thing to do, because Stanton is still 29 years old, in my opinion, you sort of, it gets one of the two of them off their feet three times a week. That's what I would probably do. I'd play one of them three days in a row out in right field, then play the other one in right field, with an occasional start by Stanton, maybe in left field, to get Brett Gartner off his feet. You know, he's going to be 33 or 34 this year. Right. Uh, maybe against the tough left-handers, you sit Brett Gardner a couple times, you know. So you would have John – if that was the case, would John Carl – who would be batting leadoff? That's a good question. Who would bat leadoff? Boy, I'll tell you, remember as the season unfolded last year, Judge moved into the number two hole behind Brett Gardner. So did Stanton. Stanton also moved into the number two hole. I'll tell you one thing. Greg Bird, we don't know who's going to play second base yet for the Yankees, but, boy, they could pick up a guy like a Ryan Goings or some Ryan Flaherty. Not with that true. lineup, with that lineup, it's not really going to matter. Shortstop is D.D. Gregorius, who's turned into an awfully good hitter. Uh, third base is probably going to be manned by Chase Headley. Remember their dynamic prospect, Glaber Torres, who was acquired in the Araldis Chapman deal in uh, – August of 2016, he had Tommy John surgery in June of last season. I don't think he'll be ready to play third base. Now, maybe second base, 
eventually could be Glaber Torres. Yeah. But I don't know that he'll be ready when spring training starts. I'd say maybe by June or July, that could be what you're looking at. It's just but but Bird at first, right? Second base, you don't know. De Gregorius, Headley, Sanchez behind the plate, Gardner, Hicks, Judge, and Stanton as your designated <laughs> hitter. That's a monster potential lineup. I just can't wait to see Stanton hit at Yankee Stadium because that's a lot more friendly hitters park than Marlins Park. Uh, yeah, and uh, the right center field where Stanton can hit a lot of his home runs. The yeah. ball just sort of sails out to mm-hmm. right field. So uh, that's the news. Uh, the two biggest stories going into this offseason were the whereabouts of Giancarlo Stanton for the 2018 season and the whereabouts of Otani Shohai, Shohai Otani, <laughs> the Japanese phenom. We now know both of those the day before people are going to start to arrive for the winter baseball meetings in Orlando. Shohai Otani signs with the Angels, and it sure looks like John Carlos Stanton about to become a Yankee. I mentioned this last week. What first thing that came to my mind for some reason that's now that John Carlo looks like he might be on the Yankees. I think that takes New York out of the running for Bryce Harper next year. There's no question that I, I got to be honest with you with the luxury tax ramifications, and I haven't read them, but I know it's much more userous now. And you're reading all the top tier teams. The reason the Dodgers didn't jump into this fray because that would have been his number one choice, mm-hmm. Stanton's number one choice. They really don't want to be. Uh, every year above the luxury tax because the rate has gone higher. With Stanton's trade and the luxury tax implications, i, I got to be honest with you. I don't see Machado or Harper as $40 million players. I think that this this figure of 30 to 33 or 34 is going to be the tops, uh, and I don't know how many teams are going to be bidding for Bryce Harper now. Because I'm not 100% sold on the fact that the Dodgers will. Well, but Machado, are you sold on him after what happened this past season? I think Machado is more like a 275, 260. That's that's what I think. I still don't think he's a Baltimore Oriole because I think he's going to look around at the difficulties they have at completing the masterpiece, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at getting this pitching in here. Uh, this was a very disappointing week, I know, for Dan Duquette. Um, Mike Fears was out there free of charge, so to speak, and the Orioles offered him a two-year, $10.5, million deal. He took a one-year, $6 million deal to go to one of the, in my opinion, arguably one of the worst teams looking ahead to next year, the Detroit Tigers. Um, that is a pitcher-friendly park, That though. is a pitcher-friendly park. It hasn't proved to be too friendly to Jordan Zimmerman, though. Uh, Mike Fire Fears uh, gives up home runs in any ballpark, uh, but he also strikes out a lot of batters. He would have been a, a great addition to an Orioles staff that needs not one, not two, but a but minimum three. of three pitchers. Uh, and I think the Orioles were, again, caught – Blown away by market forces that drove Tyler Chatwood to get a near $40 million contract. I don't know that the Orioles, for three seasons, I don't know that the Orioles ever got to the point of offering Chatwood, but I'll bet they thought that the market was going to be somewhere around 327 
to 29 million, just under 10 a year. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's never pitched more than 158 innings. He's had two Tommy John surgeries already. One when he was 16 and one when he was a little bit older. Uh, let's not forget uh, Theo Epstein for all of his brilliance, and he is a Hall of Fame executive one day for winning three World Series. Uh, and breaking two long droughts. And breaking two long droughts. He has made some terrible signings. Justin Hayward, terrible signing. Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward, a terrible. Justin Hayward was even worse. <laughs> Jason Hayward, a terrible signing. Carl Crawford, when he was oh, a, yeah. when he was in charge of the Boston Red Sox, a terrible signing. And um, this this could end up being one that he regrets uh, as being a $39 million mistake. I'm not so disappointed in Dan Duquette that we didn't outbid the Cubs. I'm disappointed for him, uh, but I really think that when you have a chance to pick up a Mike Fears, going two years 13-and-a-half or two years 14, I would have I would have tried to blow him away a little bit because when you re- when you look at what you're talking about there versus Chatwood, you you got to adjust and say, you know what, I can't strike out on this guy. And the Orioles did strike out because they offered him apparently less than six million dollars a year for two years. Do you think it's going to take a lot of money, especially for the Orioles, to convince a pitcher to come to Camden Yards? Well, I think, and I know we're going to have a, a slice of last week's interview with Dan O'Dowd, but as it refers to Shohei Otani, but I did ask him the question, uh, Bonza, last week, that if you are, let's just say Tyler Chatwood, okay? Now, he got blown away early in the in the bidding process by the Cubs, but if you were his agent, would you have allowed, let's say it was at 9 or $10 million, and the Orioles jumped up to $10 million a year for three years. Would you have really wanted them to be the highest bidder and then sign with them on a three-year deal only to find out that through their medicals there's something wrong with Chatwood's shoulder or elbow where he's back out on the market viewed as damaged goods? That's happened two or three times with Baltimore Orioles, with the Baltimore Orioles and pitchers. Uh, most, most recently, the... Um, the Australian relief pitcher that they signed a couple years back, and his name is escaping me now. The tall guy pitched for Oakland and Tampa most of his career. And the Orioles' medical was absolutely right. But my point to Dan O'Dowd last week was that Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, Jason Vargas have all had Tommy John surgeries are the Orioles really going to be the team that you want to be bidding? Uh, and Dan O'Dowd said, absolutely not, unless they're the only team bidding. I mean, this day, though, with the technology in recovery from these big surgeries, a lot of pitchers do bounce back from Tommy John better than before. Uh, we're not arguing that. The question is, does their agent want their client to be subject to an Orioles medical yeah. that is going to shade what their player Balfour Grant Balfour, Balfour okay, was yeah. the guy and Balfour ended up he signed a two-year deal with the Orioles with an option for a third and when he got done with the medicals he went to Tampa on a one-year contract and it turned out the medicals were right on the money but again I'm not talking whether the medicals are accurate or not the question is uh, if you're Alex Cobb how serious can you take the Orioles? I don't think they can at all. Uh, now, the interesting thing will be 
relating to this John Carlos Stanton deal is could the Orioles factor in? I'm reading yesterday. I think it was Joel. No, it was uh, Ken Davidoff of the New York Post wrote that he thinks that um, CC Sabathia would take a hometown discount deal from the Yankees mm-hmm. of ten to twelve million dollars for one year. I still have Sabathia as a sixteen or seventeen million dollar pitcher in my estimation. Could the Orioles really make it tricky for Sabathia by offering him, say, two years and thirty million dollars versus one year at twelve million dollars? So didn't you ask Dan O'Dowd about this last week? No, I didn't ask O'Dowd about I asked O'Dowd if he knew anything uh. because he mentioned Sabathia twice as a perfect fit for the Orioles, they need. I don't a, they see. Need, they need a lefty. I starter. don't see it happening at all. I, I don't mean, see it. He'd, happening he'd be at a all. good addition though for the Orioles. He'd be but fantastic CC, for the Orioles. I think he wants to stay in New York. I think he's going to want to stay and win a, a World Series or two. A couple, a couple things before we reach out to um, Rich Dubroff to talk about the Orioles uh, uh, baseball winter <laughs> meetings. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is Not really taken. Going on. <laughs> this is really taken the the wind out of the sails of any off season interest in the Orioles. It really has this John Carlos Stanton to the Yankees deal. Um, and by the way, let's both of us share this um, this feed. Facebook.com slash Sports. Yes, and I have the hardest time when I start the show finding. I, I don't find the feed. <laughs> Let me ask you though. We talk about uh, this is absolutely unbelievable. We talk about John Carlos staying in the Yankees side of the trade. How do you feel the Marlins are going to be with this trade? Because they're in obviously a rebuilding phase. It seems. There we go. Now we now we are now I can share it. Hold on one second. There we go. <laughs> Again, if you want to share the stream, Facebook.com/slash Press Sports. Yeah, and we urge all of our listeners to share the stream. Like it, love it, like it, and share it. Okay, now I'm finally 15 minutes into the show. <laughs> I need an intern just to share the feed, <laughs> um, which I'm going to start asking you to do when Craig Heist is here. Is to z- zip around here. Because I spent 10 minutes fiddling with this, couldn't get it as the lead piece. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. It goes down to about the eighth piece. It's the first one for me. It. Okay. Anyway, uh, two points about this deal. Derek Jeter has apparently poached about three or four executives from the New York Yankees to come work for the Marlins. Number one on the list was Gary Denbo, who was the vice president of player development for the Yankees. He's now the vice president of player development and scouting for the um, Marlins. A, I think that Jeter, given his druthers, had no problem helping his former team here uh, as sort of a little quid pro quo. I'm not saying that uh, he gave John Carlos Stanton away to the Yankees. The second part of that is the name of that person I just mentioned, Gary Denbo, has been the New York Yankees vice president of player development for a long time under Brian Cashman. He knows every nook and cranny of the Yankees farm system. And while we're hearing that Starling Castro and a couple, you know, three or four players are going to the Yankees, uh, from the Yankees to the Marlins, I'm guessing that Gary Denbo got maybe the first three or four players are off limits. But you can take out of his next 15 or 20 guys, you can take your pick of three or four, and I'll bet that Gary Denbo knows the players that he wanted and was happy to make this deal. 
Joining us right now is PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com's Rich Dubroff. And Rich, while it's not 100% official, it sure looks like the American League East neighborhood just got a lot tougher for the Orioles and the Red Sox, Toronto, and Tampa. Right, you are, Stan. It, it certainly was, a, you know, it, it, it's certainly a surprise, but not a surprise whenever the Yankees uh, are, uh, are involved in a, a big free agent or a, or a coveted trade target. You know, you, you seemingly never can, uh, can rule them out. You know, while everybody thought that, uh, well, Stanton was, was hoping it was going to be the Dodgers, uh, and it turned out that, you know, he, he nixed deals with uh, the Cardinals and the Giants, but very quickly they were able to, to put together a deal with the, a deal with the Yankees, and it's going to make, uh, it's, it's going to make for uh, interesting viewing. Give me your assessment of two things. Number one, Brian Cashman is a very proud, highly competitive guy and an extremely smart guy. He was roundly criticized uh, uh, four days ago, five days ago, when it was announced that he was hiring Aaron Boone with no managerial experience. How much of a driving force do you think was that criticism in his wanting to really stick it up the ex, the so-called experts, you know what? None. Okay. None at all. Okay. I, I, the, uh, Brian Caston's been pulling off, you know, pulling off deals with free agents. I remember, you know, I remember years ago, it's going back, uh, I guess, a decade, when Mark Teixeira was a free agent. And uh, there were all kinds, of, when the Orioles were, uh, you know, the Orioles had an interest in them. And uh, Teixeira was uh, rumored to be going to the Nationals and the Red Sox. And all of a sudden, at the last second, he went to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and this was after, every, this was after you know, there were all kinds of denials that, uh, that, that the Yankees were interested in. Uh, you know, when, he, when Brian Cashman sees an opportunity to win, he's going to ta- take it. Um, if he wanted to... to if he wanted to get back at the if he wanted to get back at the experts, well, that's all he. Well, this is the sixty-five days a year. This is the this is the way you get back at the experts. I mean, I've never seen a general manager with his resume get so roundly criticized for a managerial selection. Well, it's uh, because it's a strange it's a strange to me managerial selection. Okay. You know, I know we talked about it last week, but there was something that troubled me. In one of the quote, I didn't watch the uh, press conference, but I read um, I, I read a lot about it. And one of the things that Aaron Boone said troubled me. Right. And he said that he was going to love the players, and he thought in time that they would love him back. Okay. And well, what happens when Aaron Boone has to send these guys to the minor leagues, or 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 put a veteran out to pasture, or you know, or bench an unpopular player, or bench a volatile player? They're not going to, you know, if you're looking for, if you're looking for love, uh, this isn't the right, uh, <laughs> this isn't the right profession for you. Let me, lo- and- let me, let me move on to the second aspect of this trade. Uh, the Marlins ha- hired away Gary Denbo, v- vice, pl- vice president of player development for the New York Yankees and director of scouting for the Yankees for a long time. Uh, how well do you think he feels that he did in this trade with the players, and we don't know any of the names other than Starling Castro, 
but he probably, after the first three or four players were said they were off limits, he probably had his pick of three or four players out of maybe a list of 20. You think he knows that system pretty well? Uh, sure does. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think that uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the Marlins, you know, how the Marlins do this thing. You know, I, I would think that they would uh, probably try and flip Starlin Castro, you know, after they, you know, after they get him. And they were able to make the deal, apparently, without, you know, taking one of those huge, huge salaries right. that the Yankees have, like uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, who also has a, um, who also has a no-trade clause. Right. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, to, to see who's going to play right field. Well, I mean, Aaron Judge is a right fielder and Stanton, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they, uh, um, you know, how they deal with this. Yeah, it um, seems it seems it seems to me the way you'd want to do it is to give Judge and Stanton both very quality right field players uh, equal equal time out there. You know, yeah. keep, keep both of them off their feet a little bit extra. So yeah, it'll be uh, it's going to be. You know, it's it's going to be very very interesting. But remember, Giancarlo Stanton never, has never played with a winning. You know, he's never played with a winning team before. He's never played. You know, in a pennant race, he's never played in a big media market. So, you know, he hits he had fifty nine home runs mm-hmm. and uh, was it fifty eight or fifty nine? Fifty nine this past season. Fifty nine. Yeah. Okay, and I, I bet it's a lot harder to hit fifty nine home runs in New York. Than it is in Miami, with all the uh, you know because he didn't you know the the Marlins weren't in the race and there wasn't that much attention on him and there'll be uh, a lot more attention on him in New York so it's going to be you know it, it's going to be interesting. Um, yesterday, uh, big news broke that uh, Shohei Otani sort of again uh, hit the pundits uh, where where they weren't uh, weren't thinking, and he ended up signing with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Your thoughts on on that situation? Yeah, I think it's a good. I think it was a good move for for him, and obviously, you know, a good move for uh, for the Angels. But it's again, it's going to be interesting because nobody's ever really seen him play. I mean, I hope after all this, after all this hype, that it turns out that he is a really good player because he's never faced this this competition. Uh, but again, you know, it, it's not like uh, the Angels had very much, you know, the Angels or any team has very much to lose. But it looks like a good situation because he's, you know, he's going to be playing in, in an outfield with uh, – uh, with Mike Trout and also Justin Upton, and they're going to have uh, Albert Pujols there. So a lot of good, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of good hitters, and uh, it's LA. You know, it's LA. It's the LA area. It's not the Dodgers. Yep. Uh, Orange County is much much different than Los Angeles, and he's, uh, you know, he's going to have quite, you know, quite an adjustment. But uh, I- I'm eager to see it, uh, and I'm glad he, you know, I'm glad he picked him. I'm actually selfishly glad he picked the American League because I'd like to, you know, yeah, you'd I'd like, like to I'd, see him. I'll get to bit. see him more. Yep. Than than uh, if he had picked the, uh, you know, the San Diego Padres. But you know, I thought that I thought the Mariners had a really good chance at him, and then people were saying, "Oh, well, the, the Padres did." But again, we don't know. You know, we don't know what goes on in uh, 
in these players' minds. Yeah, well, this and, was also a very unique situation, you know. And it, it, yeah, it, it, and, you know, as, <clears throat> as we've said before, you know, there's a reason that nobody's ever been a two-way player. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is hard. I mean, you know, there, there aren't any two-way players in football anymore because it's hard. And for him to be, you know, both a, a pitcher and a hitter, Will be, uh, yeah. You know, it's going to be fascinating to watch. So, Look, the, cl- you know, the now that now that these two stories are out of the way, I guess the rest of the offseason can proceed. Yeah, there there was these were the two big stories, and they're both out of the way just in time for the winter baseball meetings. I guess we'd agree that Bo Jackson was the last two sport player, and we saw what one of the sports did to him. It robbed him of his ability to play either sport. Because of a terrible injury, a fluke, uh, not a fluke, but a terrible injury um, that deprived his hip bone of the blood needed to keep the bone alive. Uh, so, um, uh, well, it was Deion Sanders. Yeah, yeah, Deion yeah, Sanders. Sanders, and I guess um, what's his name, the uh, Brian Jordan. Brian Jordan. Yeah, they, those both did it fairly successfully for a little while, but but neither one. Great. Bo Jackson had a chance to be great in both yeah. sports. Um, let's move on. Bonzo, you had a question for, I, I for actually Rich. Have, I actually have a couple. That's all right. Here you go, Rich. This is me helping out Stan. But um, the first question, with all this hype around Otani, how often do international players get hyped like this? Was Ichiro hyped like this? And how much does it help future international players when they try to come to the major leagues, even though many people haven't seen them play? Right. Well, these are two. These are two excellent questions, Bonsa. And you didn't um, say any of mine were excellent <laughs> questions. I'm going to guess, Bonsa. I don't. You know, I've never. Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm going to guess that you were not. You don't remember when Ichiro came to the. You're nah. young enough that you don't yeah. really remember when Ichiro came mm-hmm. to the U.S. I don't remember and much. He don't. Okay, it was a different time. It, it was. Remember, it was also a different time, mm-hmm. even though it was only. You know, it was only 15, 17 16 years, years ago. ago yeah. um, you know, there was not, you know, there was not Twitter, there was not Facebook, there was not, um, you know, the internet had gotten started, but there wasn't, you know, there, there wasn't this type of round-the-clock coverage mm-hmm. as we had then. But for the time Ichiro, for the time Ichiro was hyped, because, uh, because there hadn't been a real Japanese position player. And he was considered a really excellent um, position player. And it turned out that, you know, that he, that he was. Mm-hmm. And as for your second question, um, so I would say, actually, if you grade it on a curve, um, the, for the time, it was, sim- you know, it was similar, but he wasn't, he, he wanted to go to the Mariners. And the Mariners wanted him. It wasn't like, you know, a lot of the other teams Aggressively, um, aggressively bid on him because he was again an unknown uh, in the U.S. There was no WBC, so people never saw how you know saw how he played. Mm-hmm. And I think with Otani, it's just so uh, it's just so unique. Uh, it will help. I th- if he's really good, that's going to help other Japanese players, you know, position players, because you know most of the the Japanese, the successful Japanese players in the U.S. have been pitchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been, you know, relatively few. Uh, yeah, you know, Deki Matsui and, and Ichiro are probably the two greatest, you know, yeah. that have made the move. Uh, 
So uh, I, I think it would help. And also, the fact that he's coming young, usually players wait you know, a really long time, and he's taking a financial risk by coming, right. you know, by coming now because he wants to, you know, because he, he wants to prove himself. And um, did Hunsu Kim ever get hyped when he signed with the Orioles? Uh, not much, because, you know, Korean, base, Korean baseball isn't as followed mm-hmm. uh, as much as Japanese, you know, it doesn't have a history as much as Japanese baseball. And, you know, people talked about Kim when he was signing, but it was just, it was very, very, you know, it was it was very very small small amount of hype. We were we were about <clears throat> press box was about to send Rich Dubroff over to cover some Korean baseball for us and scout, but then the tensions between the two countries, the U.S. and uh, North Korea, got so dangerous we didn't want to put Rich in harm's way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rich, I do want to ask. Um, going back to the uh, Stanton deal. Um, Stan did bring up a point, and I remember I asked you this a couple weeks ago. You mentioned um, the Orioles probably not able to get Flaherty back, and there's a hole at second base with Castro gone. Do you think the Yankees might try and go for Flaherty? Uh, I don't think that they would. I, I don't think that they would look upon him as a uh, you know as a regular as a regular as an everyday player. player. Okay. I mean, they could. You know, they they could, but uh, you know, I I think that that's not. Uh, you know, I, I think that's not what they'll uh, they'll be looking for. Uh, Rich, let's slide over to the Orioles. You leave tomorrow for Orlando, Florida, and the baseball winter meetings. Uh, this had to be a very disappointing week for Dan Duquette. I I I'm guessing that on the one hand. Um, he's blown away by how much Tyler Chatwood, a starting pitcher who has never pitched above 158 innings, that Chatwood got nearly $40 million for three years. And then I guess he's equally blown away that uh, Mike Fears decided to take a one-year $6 million contract rather than a two-year like $11 million contract. Well, we don't know really what the Orioles yeah. offered him. Yeah. But um, – but you know, lots of times, pitchers want uh, pitchers. They want to prove themselves. I think Fears is kind of betting on himself. Betting on himself here, right? You know, he's betting that he's going to have a really good year uh, with the Tigers, and that if he does, he's going to set himself for a, up a, as a premier free agent a year from now. And so, rather than you know lock himself into two years uh, uh, at a you know at a market number that he's not comfortable with going for, uh, you know, going for the one year and then, and then with a big bet on himself, uh, it's going to be interesting how this, uh, you know, how this turns out. What number, what number, what number do you think the Orioles would have had to come to with a two year deal? Oh, probably 14, 14, you know, probably 15, you know, probably in the 15, 16 million. But one other thing, Stan, uh, Comerica Park is a much easier uh, place for a pitcher to pitch. No question about it. Than, than, than Oriole Park. But he's pitching for a less, a much less qualified defensive team and a team that yeah. looks like closer to a 65-win team next year. Again, I think it's a bet on a bet on himself. And as you know, and with um, with all the new uh, analytics these days, mm-hmm. you know, Tyler Chatwood. 
when you looked at his when you looked at his his numbers on the surface did not appear to be very attractive. Right. A lot of baseball analysts in front offices really liked Chatwood. They loved him. They loved him away from Coors Field. Yeah, and they yeah. They, they saw some other you know some other uh, stats about him that they really liked. And one thing with him going to the Cubs is he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be the man. You know he can be you know the fourth or fifth starter. And uh, with the Orioles, he'd probably have to be a, you know, he'd probably have to be a three. And I, I think that he, uh, you know, uh, and it looks like it's going to be interesting again to see how how this turns out because it's a lot of money for a pitcher that a lot of people don't know a lot about. Getting back to fears for just a second, uh, if you if you look if you're blown away one day by what Chatwood gets, and you would agree that Dan had to be not, uh, not shocked. I, I, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, absolutely. Okay. If you see that happening with Tyler Chatwood and you have fears in your sights and you see the price, the cost of pitching, and you see the cost of not getting just qualified pitching, not great pitching, because the Orioles, let's face it, the only way the Orioles are going to get great pitching is to develop their own great pitchers, and they haven't done a real good job of that since Mike Mussina. I just don't understand how you don't go a little bit out of your comfort zone on Mike Fears and well, get one of these boxes the same, checked off. Because they're not real; they're not the same kind of pitchers. Just because one pitcher um, with a record gets, you know. Yeah, but thirteen million dollars a year. Uh, but I'm not talking that you got to give him thirteen for two, a year. But they, val- I, I, but they valued, they, but they valued um, him at much. They valued him at much less. Where, uh, you know, he was not. Fears was not a conventional free agent. He was not. Ten, you know, he was not tendered. The Astros could have. You know, the Astros could have kept him. The Astros could have tried. To, the Astros tried to trade him. And you know, didn't get, uh, you know, didn't get great, didn't get great offers right. for him. So he was not considered a, a prime, uh, a prime pitcher. Dan must think that there are many Mike Fears okay. and relatively few right. Tyler Chatwood. Okay. Well, I got to be honest. The longer, I, and you know, I'm a big Dan Duquette fan. The longer I watch Dan and his judgment on pitching. Uh, I, I just really cringe at what the, the 2018 season uh, rotation might look like at this point. Well, they're going to have to get, you know, yeah. they're going to have to get, and I keep saying this, they're going to have to get busy, and they're going to have to step out their comfort zone. But well, that's my point. That's my point zone, with Mike. That's my somebody. point with Mike. That's my point with Mike. Fires fears. Once you get one of these guys, the pressure is 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 is. Uh, it's lessened a great deal, only needing two more rather than still needing three. And I well, just don't. Mike Fears also, Mike, Mike Fears basically, when you look at his stats, they're not a hell of a lot different from, let's say, Wade Miley's. Oh, come on. come on. Rich, really. When was the last time you looked at those stats? I looked at them yesterday. They're, Wade Miley's in an entirely different level. <laughs> Of incompetence than 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 Mike fears. Well, uh, all right. Um, anyway, but, let me. Gonna, they're going to have to get they're going to have to get pitching one way or the other. All so. right. So here's another way: the Boston Red Sox designate um, Henry Owens for assignment, right. 
and he's out there for all 30 teams to claim. I'll tell you, in two seconds yesterday, the day before when I saw that, I looked at his numbers throughout his minor and major league career, and I mirrored and looked at Andrew Miller's, and I see they're almost potentially the same kind of pitchers, that all that might have been necessary is a slight turn of the screw of your imagination as to what Henry Owens is, and maybe you could have gotten a value, not a starting pitcher, but maybe a very interesting value uh, as a relief pitcher. And he's got options, which they love, and somehow the Orioles let him get out of the American League. Yeah, the only thing I can say is I looked at the – was that he – that his minor league numbers last year were so They're terrible. Were so bad. But and I looked at his minor league numbers last year and they really had been quite a you know, quite a regression. But but here's league. what happens when these guys come up and they fail in the major leagues as starters and then go back to the minor leagues, there's a human factor called disappointment, uh right. loss of confidence. Andrew Miller's numbers in the minor leagues were not staggeringly fantastic as a starting pitcher it was what changed for andrew miller was seeing him differently and i'm, I'm just staggered that the orioles couldn't see that yeah and, well, and 20 I, I mean, 25 other of, teams didn't either you know yeah there are a lot of you know there are a lot of uh, a lot of things that uh right. that have you know been happening this offseason that are already that are um you know, that are surprising. And I mean, I'm going to tell you, Stan, one thing that, and this is small, that Duquette's always done, that he hasn't done so far, is put additional players on the 40 man roster. Right. Usually they go into the 40, they go into the Rule 5 draft and they're 38 or 39. Where are they now? 34, the 35? 34. 34. They've only added one since the end of the season, other than the guys. That they've you know brought up from their own system only three, they've only added um, they've only added one player from the outside, and that is very very unlike yeah um, uh, unlike Dan Duquette. So I you know well maybe I, maybe he's I planning that when you say may- oh gee gee you think that you know 2018 could be a very very challenging year um, yeah they're they're going to have to be they're going to have to get uh, a lot, a lot of guys quickly. Well, perhaps, um, perhaps, maybe what you're pointing out is maybe Zach Britton is more alive on the market for two or three players that he has to put on the major league roster. You know, the forty yeah, man maybe, roster. Maybe I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't just. I wouldn't discount it. I mean, I, I would think that you know, if they get blown away. Uh, by a Britain trade, yeah. that they would, you know, that they would make it. Let me let me move back to John Carlos Stanton for just a second. That takes off um, the New York Yankees off the board next season for, in my opinion, an offensive player that's in the you know the twenty seven to thirty five million dollar range. Uh, what do you think the Yankees move here does to both Manny Machado and Bryce Harper? You, again, Stan, you never count out you never count out the Yankees yeah I mean I can say now if you had said to, you know if you'd said to me a year ago the Yankees were going to have a 50 home run hitter in the outfield then going to go out and acquire another, another 50 <laughs> you know 50 home run hitter so it's hard enough to predict what's going to happen tomorrow uh 
And, you know, a lot of people, in, I was seeing a lot of people in Washington think, oh, this is great. Uh, this means Bryce Harper is going to stay with the uh, Nationals. Right. I mean, there are always, uh, you know, there are always lots of, uh, lots of teams that are interested in getting great play, you know, getting great players. Does it so, do anything? Does it do anything? Does it seal that market at thirty million as the top, or or do no, you still you don't no, think so? No, because what you never know. You know, you never know. I mean, if 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 Machado and Bryce Harper go out and have you know go out and have video game number years, then uh, then then all bets are off. One aspect, uh, but, but I think that the Orioles are gonna they are gonna take a shot. It's seeing if there's something that they can do with Machado. Yeah, I mean, I, I do, I do think that they're that they are going to make a uh, some, you know, some kind of effort here. You know what I think has happened though, and I compared it two years ago. I said this was the real fear I had was the Kevin Durant Durant in uh, Oklahoma City factor was that it's not about how much the Orioles are willing to get out of their comfort zone; it's whether or not they've convinced the player that they can win a championship. I think Manny Machado is going to get his money. Bryce Harper is going to get his money. They're not going to teams that start pitchers like Wade Miley and, and Ubaldo Jimenez and that, you know, and sort of are always right. scratching on the surface. So, so I have real problems with that. Uh, right. I mean, I, I think that's, I think that that's, um, I, I think that that's uh, correct because, Okay, where did Stanton want to go? The Dodgers and the Yankees. Right, didn't want to go even that. The Cardinals and the, the Giants, Giants have won five the, World Series. Yeah, and the Giants have won three World Series over the last ten years. You know, uh, I have one other question for you because uh, I know you're a student of the game on the business side of things better than I am, and the and all the the the, what, the all the maneuverings. What are the implications now? I, I did not follow the last CBA well enough to know what the tax, the luxury tax. I keep reading in different deals how with the with the new implications of the luxury tax. How much more usurious is that on teams to be over now than it was two or three years ago, Rich? I gotta, you know, that one I gotta. That one I have to look up again. You and I um, have both. All right. Well, well. Yeah. We'll, no, I gotta look up, up again, but. Um, you know, but it hasn't. Uh, it apparently hasn't stopped the Yankees. No, hasn't stopped the Yankees, but it did give pause. It did give pause to the Dodgers of adding that contract. Um, well, they were the Dodgers are way way over. Last question for you: uh, You said the Orioles have to get busy. What would you be happy with coming back from Orlando as an Oriole fan? What What do you think are the possibilities? I think that the possibilities are they're they're going to do serious they're going to do serious talking, but if they came back, uh, if they came back with a major trade, and and they came back you know and they came back with uh, you know with an agreement or a rumored agreement right. with uh, a player, if there was something concrete, I would I would be happy if there was something concrete for me to write about other than the Rule Five draft. All right, fair enough. Uh, have a safe travels. 
and hopefully we can grab you next Saturday if possible, all right? All right. Thank you, Stan. All right. Thank you very much, Rich. There he goes. Rich Dubroff does a terrific job with PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com. We're going to take a timeout, and when we get back, I was able to catch up with Roger Mooney yesterday at Tampa Times and talk to him a little bit about one of the Orioles' uh, American League East rivals, the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll talk to Roger Mooney when we return. Everyone knows that Full Circle Tire and Auto in Abingdon, that's where I take my vehicle whenever I have any issue whatsoever. And that's because there's a Full Circle difference. They understand my vehicle is my life and they know they need to get it taken care of in a timely manner and work with me to make arrangements. In fact, the most recent time that I took my vehicle to Full Circle Tire and Auto, Dave, he simply gave me a ride home personally after I dropped my car off there. That's the difference they make at Full Circle Tire and Auto. You can stop in and see them. 1304 Governor's Court Unit 110 in Abingdon. Give them a call 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS or find them on the web fullcircletirenauto.com. Guys, can you believe that we've been in Section 336 for 25 years? Well, yeah, 25th anniversary of Canham Yard. Yeah, we've been in Section 336. 336. Well, I mean, technically. Are we? Well, technically we're in 334. No, no, no. Section 336. We're in Section 336. Yeah, like our podcast, that's who we are. We're Section 336. Every Monday night. It's Every Monday night, yeah. But, you know, when we go to the stadium, we tend to sit in 334. But the ticket's screwed up. We're just, we can touch Section 336. I walk past, I say hi to Ryan in Section 336. Yeah, and when we say hi to Ryan, we can talk Orioles because we always do here on the show, Section 336. Yeah, so Section 336. Section 336. That's where we are. Just lie to him. That's Press us. box. Find Section 336 at the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com or by going to iTunes or Section336.com. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, that, podcast. Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to job and out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out. Glenn Clark, Aaron and Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins he Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. PressBox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on PressBox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game, Glenn is joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash Sports. 
They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com slash football. There's strong, then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. And as promised, I'm here now with Roger Mooney of the Tampa Times. And Roger, wanted to talk to you a little bit about Tampa. They figure to be, not only are they in the Orioles division, but they figure to be a pretty interesting team to watch through the baseball winter meetings and the rest of the of the winter. Uh, but before we talk about that, I just wanted to tell you or ask you about Tim Beckham. Uh, you got to watch him up close and personal for a few years there in Tampa. Were you shocked at how he did uh, for the month of August in Baltimore, his first month in an Orioles uniform? Well, I, I guess when you when you look at the numbers he was putting up in Tampa, and then all of a sudden, you know what happened when he got we got up there. Yeah, it, it was a surprising uh, increase in productivity. But on the other hand, uh, you know, I think he was upset with being traded. Um, and I think he got himself onto a more of a veteran team. I, I kind of, without really being around the Orioles every day, I kind of think there's maybe some strong veteran leadership on yep. that team, which is something they really don't have in Tampa. You know, uh, and also he was no longer, the, you know, the the first overall pick. You know, he didn't have that stigma on him anymore, or not stigma, he didn't have that attached to him anymore. So he was just a guy... He was getting back to playing shortstop every day, which is what he wanted to do in Tampa, and, and it, they wouldn't let him do in Tampa. So he had something to prove, and I think everything just kind of lined up right for him. Yeah, it sure did. Uh, then in September, we saw a little bit more of the problematic Tim Beckham. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that plays out this coming season in Baltimore. Wanted to move into a couple question marks about this off season with uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Longtime leader of the team, uh, Evan Longoria. Uh, there's rumors uh, that th- they could shop him this year, and I have a feeling the St. Louis Cardinals, who appear to be being spurned by Giancarlo Stanton, mm-hmm. they might be very interested in Evan Longoria. You know, they've been getting calls on Evan Longoria every offseason, every trade deadline, uh, probably since he was, uh, you know, he established himself as a, as a frontline player earlier in his career. But I think this might be the, the year they actually listen seriously to those uh, questions. He's going to be a five and ten year man, I think, the first or second week of the season next year. So no, no one who's ever been with the Rays has a no trade clause. So he gets five and ten years. That's the no trade clause they like to avoid. Um, I think he'd be he'd be good in St. Louis. I think he'd be good on on a lot of teams where maybe he doesn't have to be the number three hitter. He can, you know, hit a little bit lower in the lineup. Uh, you know, maybe be a little bit maybe more protection than he normally gets with the Rays. He was the Gold Glove third baseman this year, so I thought his defense is. Is right up there, you know, with Machado and Beltre um, and Donaldson, you know, the top third baseman. So defensively, you're going to get a guy who's still uh, one of the best in the game. And I think you you put him in a in a city where you know it's all about winning, uh, and not just talking about winning, but actually winning. Yep. Um, and maybe he doesn't have to be the you know the face of the offense, the big bat in the lineup. And I think you have a, you know I think he should do pretty good. So. 
this could be the year they move him. I think it, it, it might actually be the year because, like I said, they don't want to go with five and ten on him. And, uh, you know, I think he ends up in a, you know, in a good organization, and I think he'll have a pretty good uh, back end of his career. You know, it's interesting. I look at the possibility there of, of coupling uh, Alex Colomay, the, the stopper of the past couple seasons in Tampa, a trade of Colomay and Longoria, Perhaps they could get a young outfielder and maybe a couple arms because aren't you guys? You're clearly you're losing Alex Cobb, and I think Jake Odorazzi is right now um, at that point where you, you might think of moving him as well. Yep, he's getting into that arbitration years where he's starting to make a little bit more money than they're comfortable paying him for for what they're going to get back for him. Um, He's had some injury problems the last few years. He always seems to be battling something. So I, I think maybe uh, they, they're going to look at it as a little too much money for a guy like that. They do have some young pitchers coming up uh, in the system. They got Brent Honeywell, who they're really high on. Uh, Jacob Faria pitched, uh, had to come up to the majors this year, uh, last season yep. because of injuries uh, and, and pitched very well. They got this guy Yarborough, who pitched down at AAA, who they're pretty high on. So they do have some young guys. The problem is if they were to get rid of well, they're going to lose Cobb free agency. If they were to trade Odorizzi or Chris Archer or even both, as some people are suggesting, they're going to have a really, really, really young pitching staff. And I know their philosophy next year is to, you know, limit these guys on the mound as how many times they, they go, they face a, they face an order, you know, probably go through two times before they go to the bullpen. So, they're going to be really handling these guys with kid gloves. But, you know, they, they got the young pitching. My, my question is going to be, is, are they going to have enough veteran pitch? I think you need one or two yep. veterans on a, on a staff, even when you got young, promising starters. I think you need some, some guys who have been around the block a couple of times just to show these guys what it takes to pitch in the major leagues because you can have all kinds of success that you want in AAA. It doesn't, there's no guarantee it's going to translate to anything on the major league level. And to have an older guy, which I think was Cobb's real value yep. to the Rays, with the younger guys showing him how to get it done. Without having a guy like that, they could these guys, it's blind leading the blind, which is how it was when James Shields showed up in 2006. And he always talked about how he had nobody to show him how to pitch in the major league level, which he decided then he was going to be the guy to show all these young guys. And, you know, David Price followed him and Alex Cobb and Matt Moore, and they all pointed to James Shields as that guy. The Rays, I think, going to need a guy like that. I don't know. It would be interesting to see what happens if they don't have that veteran presence on the on the in the rotation. As an aside, it's not a Tampa issue now, but Alex Cobb, I guess, with the money that Tyler Chatwood got yesterday, three years, just about forty million from the Cubs. That seems to me that makes Cobb about a seventeen, eighteen million dollar a year pitcher. Where do you see him ending up? Well, I thought the. I thought the Cubs would be a really good landing spot. I know Joe Madden loved them. You know, he's, you know, to use the cliche, but it really applies to him. He's got that bulldog mentality. He's going to go out and give you everything he's got. When he beat Cleveland in that wild card game in 2013, he did not have his best stuff that night. And a couple of his pitches were just disappearing during the game. And he threw, I think, like seven shutout innings or six shutout innings because Jose Molina, who was the catcher that time, told him, well, let's just work with what you got. Let's not worry about what mm-hmm. you don't got. And, you know, that was a big step, learning step for him that night because he realized, all right, I can, I can do so. I don't have to have everything 
and be successful. And then earlier this season or last season, you know, his first full year back from Tommy John, he couldn't throw the changeup, which was his, his, his number one pitch. He couldn't throw it. He just didn't have a feel for it yet. And that took a while to come back. Yet, because he didn't have that, he learned to pitch without it. And that's what they like about this guy. You know, uh, Jim Hickey, who's now the, you know, the, the old race pitching coach, is now the pitching coach in Chicago. That's what he was always yeah. kind of preaching to these guys. Don't worry about what you don't have. Go with what you do have. So I, I, so I thought that made it a perfect sense to him to go there. Do, but, do, we, do we think that the Chatwood signing in Chicago rules Cobb out there? I don't know. Aren't they looking for two starters this yeah, year? Yeah, so 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 cop might fit in for thirty million. They might get the both of them. Why not? They got the money. Yeah, they sure do. And like I said, the pitching coach loves him. The manager loves him. Hey, uh, and the, I'm sure Theo loves him because you see now he's pitched against his uh, his the Red Sox. Yeah, Logan Morrison had a big year with you guys. You you figure to lose him out of free agency. Where do you think they replace that? That kind of power numbers. He had, I think, 38 home runs last year. Yeah, it was a career high for him. Uh, well, I think it's, you know, he's going to go and see how much money he can get, uh, which, you know, God bless him. He certainly deserves that. <laughs> and, but they, they got Lucas Duda at the trade deadline, and he, 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 you know, he gives you the same thing that Morrison gives you, his left handed power hitter. So, power hitting first baseman. So, we kind of feel that, you know, if they don't sign Morrison, which they probably won't. Then they'll look to Duda, and if they and if they can't find Duda, then they'll just go out and try to find another first baseman. You know, they yeah, which is kind of how they ended up getting Morrison, and which is kind of how they ended up getting Casey Kotsman in 2011. They in the past have been pretty good at finding a guy to, to play first base, and usually it's a guy you you didn't see anywhere on the radar. We're chatting he with just shows up and has a good season, but they got they got Jake Bowers in the minors. He played at AAA. I think he can play some first base for him too. So. I don't know if they'll go to the kids right away, but they do have an in-house option. We're chatting with Roger Mooney of the Tampa Times. We're talking about the Tampa Rays on the eve of the baseball winter meetings. Last season, you guys were able to swing a trade with the Giants that brought Matt Duffy in. And I know Duffy was penciled in last year in spring training. They thought he was going to be the shortstop. He had a foot injury that he could never get over. Uh, I don't know if it was one of those stress reactions or what happened with that. What is his status right now, and would he be the guy that they would think to move over to third base if they did trade Longoria? To me, that would be the that would be the move because he played third base and he played it pretty well when he was with the Giants. Uh, in fact, he when he got hurt. Uh, before he became a Ray, he was at Tropicana Field during an interleague season with the Giants, and he had a pretty good series that day. He played pretty well at third base. Last year, what happened was uh, it took him a little bit longer to come back from the surgery that he had toward the end of the season before. Uh, and then he, he developed it. They found out he had a calcium deposit that was causing more pain, so they had to go in and clean that out, and that set it all back. And then finally they just said, you know, the heck with this year. Uh, let's just get ready for next year. I, I You know, he could play... Third base. I always thought when they got him that he was the guy that was going to be replacing Longoria. He can play shortstop, which is his natural position. Right now, they have uh, Etch, uh, Etcheria, yeah, who did a super may, job they defensively. Him. Yeah, they might yeah, move him so, now. I'll just talk about that. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, if they end up moving him, he's going to make. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he'll make pretty good money his last year. Uh, I think it's his last year of arbitration. You know, but pretty good money for the Rays, but certainly doable for another team. Who you know? Who actually 
spends money on their players. Um, great defender, if you, you know, not not so much with the bat, although you know he's capable of getting a big hit for you every now and then. But certainly, he's going to win you more games with his glove than anything else. Any anybody who's looking for a, a, a top of the line shortstop would, would certainly want him because he's going to come cheap. Although you know the Rays will want some prospects in return, but overall it'll be a pretty cheap haul for for another team. Now, one but he the... can be can play short for him. He can also move over and play second base if they move uh, Red Miller this year. Now, one of the players that you guys traded Will Myers for a couple of years back was uh, Steven Souza Jr. You got him from the Nats in that three way trade that netted the uh, Nats uh, Trey Turner. Uh, Souza really arrived last year. Is he a guy that you could see being in Tampa for a while? Um. He's a guy that that'll be in Tampa until it becomes too 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 expensive for him to be in Tampa. He's, I guess he's he again. I don't have it all in front of me, but I think he's getting into his arbitration years, so he's gonna start to make a little bit of money. But last year, across the board, I mean, he strikes out an awful lot, but I guess who doesn't these days? But he, he was, you know, power hitter was, you know, he was now a legitimate threat in the lineup to hit a ball out. Not. In the past, it was kind of like, oh, hey, you know, look at that, he hit a home run. Now it's like you kind of almost expected out of him, and his defense really picked up. He was always capable of making the big play. Of course, you know, that diving catch he made with Washington on the, uh, to save the no-hitter, everybody still talks about. But now he, he, he makes more of the routine play. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't always – for him, it was always like the spectacular or nothing. Now you're getting all the other stuff in there before you get up to the spectacular got a great arm he's learning to use it you know not just overthrowing third base just to impress people and runners moving up things like that so he's really became more of a, a complete player the power showed up um, you know striking out yeah but he also was putting the ball in play too he wasn't just an all or nothing uh home runner strikeout it was some other things in between there too and the defense is there so he's going to be part of their plans for a couple of years, and it's just going to become like it does with everybody with the Rays. You know, at some point, it's going to be too much money, and they'll they'll move them. One of the players though, that they have made one of the faces of the franchise, he missed about fifty games last year, though. Is center fielder Kevin Kiermeyer is he back fully healthy from that tricky injury that he had? Oh yeah, no, he's fine. He finished the season. He came back sometime in uh, in August and actually played a lot better yeah, defensively. He did. Uh, in the second half, you know, after uh, post injury than he did before, he kind of he had some troubles early in the season. He was missing balls that you know he just doesn't miss. Though for a couple of balls and missed them, things like that. But when he came back, he came back as the the Kevin Kiermaier everybody everybody expected. Uh, we're just about to wrap up. Two questions more. Wilson Ramos, uh, you know, got in about a half a season last year, which is what Tampa expected of him when they signed him to that two-year deal. Uh, does he figure to catch about 130, 135 games next year for Kevin Cash? Um, I know they, they were trying to take it a little bit easy on him last year. They didn't want to overdo the knee, but he handled the workload that they gave him. They, they generally don't want to do too too much with the catcher because they don't want to burn these guys out. They're one of these teams that think, you know, maybe not a 50-50 split with, with, the, with your backup, but maybe 100, maybe a little bit more than 100. For him, he can DH, I guess, in some games, although that, that kind of exposes them without their catcher. But uh, Or, you know, having two catchers in the lineup. But, but again, now he's a guy that if he gets off to a great season and, you know, like he did his all-star year before he got hurt, 
and if these guys are not in contention, which I really kind of don't expect them to be in contention, he's a guy that, that can get moved. So All I right. don't know how much uh, you're going to get out of him next year, whether you know, he's going to have the production at the plate that he's had before his injury, or, and if he does, how long he'll be a Ray. I do not expect him to finish the season. With, uh, a, with the race. Bay uniform. All right. I really Let, don't. I think he's a guy that's going to get moved uh, either at the trade deadline or before. Last question I got for you is Kevin Cash has been there a couple of years now. I think he's entering his fourth season uh, with the, the Rays this year. Um, is he is he in it down there for a while? I mean, are they pretty happy with him? But you talk to uh, the GMs, actually the three guys who kind of act as a GM, their they're front office, three-headed front office, and they all say yes. And even off the record and as far off the record as you can get with them, they all say yes. So either they're putting up a great front or they truly believe that the, the losing uh, has not really had anything to do with, with, uh, with Kevin Cash. There's been some injuries that they've had to deal with over the years. Uh, during his tenure, um, that, that would you know hurt hurt any good team. They've had some big pieces out for a while, so you can't always judge a manager on wins and losses when he when he doesn't have the full lineup that's out there. I the, the, I always go back to hitting coach Derek Shelton, who had been there for a long time. And they weren't a very good offensive team, but they always said if they were to fire a Derek Shelton. Then they then they making him the scapegoat for mm-hmm. the, the front office and the baseball op guys and their philosophy on hitting and it's not working and you're going to blame it on 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 the guy who really isn't coming up with that plan. I think it's kind of the same way with Cash. They're a very heavy analytic team. A lot of moves, a lot of his lineups that he comes up with, a lot of his in-game moves are based on the numbers that he gets. So if you're going to fire this guy for that, then you got to look at the guys who give him the numbers. Maybe give they're them not the giving numbers. him the right numbers. All you right. know, so I, I don't think they look at him as the reason why the team's not winning. There's plenty of other reasons. The guys getting hurt, guys underperforming, guys slumping. I mean, Corey Dickerson was was leading the major leagues in hitting the day um, uh, they announced the All Star team that he had made it as a designated hitter. He hit 200 the rest of the way. Right. I mean, he went into a slump that very night and never came out of it. You can't pin that on the manager. I hear you. You know, so and I think they they kind of look at it that way. Like that's not Cash's fault that Dickerson, you know, went as cold as you could possibly get. We're not going to hold that against him. So I don't think his job's in any jeopardy right now. All right, Roger. Really appreciate you taking the time to discuss this. Tampa figures to be a pretty active team over the next couple weeks in the headlines. We appreciate it, Roger Mooney of the Tampa Times. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. Really good to hear from Roger Mooney. First time on the show, Tampa Times. Uh, Josh Soroka is going to join us in just a moment from Section 336 as we'll dive into some more specific Oriole talk and the hopes and aspirations of their fan base as these winter baseball meetings are about to start. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, either online or on Facebook Live, the New York Yankees have all but acquired Giancarlo Stanton from the Miami Marlins. We'll talk more on that and other topics as we continue. But first, Chick-fil-A on Sundays? That's right. With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with a Chick-fil-A catering tray. Perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. But if you want to have Chick-fil-A on Sundays, you better do it today. Sounds good to me. All right. We've got our man, Josh. Yes, sir. 
Josh Soroka is here. Josh, how are you, my friend? I'm, I'm doing all right. It looks like baseball weather outside, doesn't it? <laughs> if you bring John Lowenstein in uh, from the outfield, it does. Remember that? Or you were probably five years yeah. old at the time. Uh, I, I don't remember that. I've definitely been to a opening day in the snow. Yeah. There was, so. a t- there was a game where it was snowing and uh, – John Lowenstein was in the outfield, and I forget what he was doing, but it was he, he had some fun with the snow sort of accumulating on the grass lightly. I think he spelled something out or something. Uh, I see. Hey, um, I guess you've heard the word that the Yankees' uh, pursuit of Giancarlo Stanton was fast and decisive. And pending uh, his physical and his approval of the trade, which we know he's going to give, Giancarlo Stanton has just moved into our neighborhood. Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't really know how to react besides give up and and start hoping for the MLB to uh, readjust the division. Because <laughs> I do not I cannot imagine Stanton and Judge back to back in Camden Yards. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. They've got them listed. If you remember last year, they moved Judge to number two in the order. The earliest lineup I saw, and of course this has nothing to do with what it will be, had Gardner leading off, Judge batting second, Gregorius third, and Stanton fourth, with Bird fifth and Sanchez sixth. It's a pretty formidable uh, first six batters, isn't it? Uh, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, the Yankees are having uh having quite the week with Cashman getting uh, bringing in new manager and Cashman getting his big five year deal and now this they're going to be a a team to battle uh, for the next five years at least and so much for them having a down period. Listen, Brian Cashman, uh, Rich Dubroff disagreed with me entirely on this. I've never seen a general manager with his reputation get so roundly criticized by all the baseball experts for his signing of a major league manager, turning over the keys of a team as good as the Yankees were before acquiring Stanton. Um, And I think that criticism stung him a little bit. And I think when the Stanton opportunity came, I think he really went at it extra hard to shut some of the critics up. I don't even think he had to go there that far because Stanton had that no trade clause, and he he basically said, "I want to go to the Yankees." So, well, he basically I said mean, he, he, he said, said he was willing. Yankees or Dodgers. This was just yesterday that he announced that he was willing to go to four teams: Cubs, Astros, Dodgers, or Yankees. Cubs right. and Astros had no real great interest in breaking up what they had uh, to make a deal of that magnitude, and. Uh, Dodgers have some fear that the salary, uh, the luxury tax implications. Yankees were, they went after it extra hard and extra quick to get this done. Right. And what it does is it shows, I know Stanton's got the the money and finances, but it shows that what all these players want is a chance to win a World Series. Right. And that's why he narrowed it down to this team. And that's why, as Baltimore fans, we need to be concerned about Manny Machado. We need to be concerned when uh, Adam Jones puts on his Instagram, does anyone want to go to Baltimore? I mean, you, these are things you've got to be concerned about how other people look at the Baltimore organization. Well, it's, it's my assertion that at this point the Orioles have, before they've even 
entered the negotiation phase for Manny Machado, to me, the Orioles have lost any opportunity they had to re-sign Manny Machado because it's it's not a question of whether the Orioles can get Manny for two seventy-five, three hundred, three and a quarter. I still laugh at people that think it's going to go to four hundred. Uh, I just don't think there are enough players uh, to get it. There are not enough teams that can that can foot that kind of bill. But I think they've lost it in how they've moved about and done their business. I think they've lost a little bit of the heart of their baseball team. Yeah, they have. And, and you know, it's got to be on Section 336 this week. We talked about Dan Ducat and these quiet moves he makes and how he's always signing minor league pitchers. And it, but if you look, Dan Ducat has done good moves, which means it's got to be you got to look at the top, and you got to look past Sam Duquette and look at Peter Angelos. And Peter Angelos is controlling the wallet and not ready to, uh, just like he doesn't like to extend managers and let them play after last year, he's doing the same with Manny. doesn't want to make a deal and give him an extension until maybe the very last second and then not offer what he's valued at. Yeah, but my point is he's he's lost the mind of a Manny Machado already because he Manny Machado sees yeah. how they go about their business. I'm not blaming this all on Dan Duquette. It clearly is a organizational philosophy, i.e. Peter Angelos's decision. In Baltimore, that is an organizational decision. It's Peter Angelos's right. philosophy not to spend on pitching. And if you're not going to spend on pitching – and you take 10 years to develop the arms, and the best you've got after 10 years is Gosman and Bundy and Hunter Harvey, that's not enough to convince a Manny Machado that you're going to win. Right. And I think, I, exactly, and it, it goes past uh, Manny Machado to, I think, it's how he's represented himself to any player in Major League Baseball. Um, we just had, uh, who is it, Fire? Mike who Fires. turned down a two-year deal yeah. to go sign with the Tigers. No one wants to play in Baltimore. And it's, uh, as, a, as a fan, it's extremely frustrating that, that knowing that, yeah, there's some hope here and we've had a good five years, but when the, the outside mindset of this organization is still that they don't want to win, that they're not going to focus on enough on pitching and spend the money it takes to win, no one wants to come here. My, my point, though, about that, when you say nobody wants to come to Baltimore, it's still, at the end of the day, for, for Mike Fears, yes, pitching in Comerica Park is probably more appealing to him than pitching in Camden Yards. But I think it's a decision that the Orioles thought, well, he was due to make $5.7 million this this coming season. The Astros let him go. Let's offer him 5.7 times two, and we can get him. And I'm saying that the Orioles have to go a little bit out of their comfort zone, and maybe Mike Fears was the guy to go two years at $15 million and really kind of, I won't say blow him away, but really convince him that you want him. Yes, you have to. You have to show these guys that you're serious, and it failed there. And I, and, and I, and I, I have to interrupt you not, for I have to interrupt you for one second. By that, I'm saying I'm blown away by by what Tyler Chatwood got. And if I'm Dan Duquette and see what Chatwood gets at nearly forty for three, 
and I can get fears for two for 15, I'm jumping on fears for 15, 15 million for two years. Because it's not getting cheaper. You know, when Chatwood's contract goes down, that means Miguel Gonzalez is going to all of a sudden goes, hmm, I was going to sign with the Orioles for 5.5. I think I can get six and a half now. I mean, it has a domino effect. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. And, uh, no, and you're right. And that's the frustrating part about Dan Duquette taking so long to do this is he, he keeps saying he wants to let the pitching market develop. The pitching market, we don't want the pitching market to develop because everyone else looks better. We need to jump in early and get this guy to, in December, feel like, okay, I'm going to be, I know where I'm playing next year. I can get my mindset set, and I'm happy with the amount of money that they're spending with me. I don't see how you convince, I am even struggling how you convince Chris Tillman to come back or Miguel Gonzalez at the, at the right price point, let alone if you want to be serious and go after a guy like Alex Cobb. I don't know how you convince them to pitch here without overpaying and without jumping in early, you're not going to outbid and, and go in a, in a bidding match against any other team and win. We're talking with Josh Soroka of Section 336. If you've come on board our Facebook play page, please share it. It's facebook.com slash pressboxsports. You can watch us on Facebook Live. We're talking with Josh about the upcoming winter baseball meetings and the aftermath of Giancarlo Stanton's trade to the New York Yankees, which is all but official on this Saturday morning and has given Josh uh, the opinion that, boy, he can't wait for re- <laughs> re- resetting the, uh, the divisions in baseball. That's a, that was a good one, Josh. You got me on that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know. Now, it's going to take a, a couple of days to process what Stanton in New York means. Clearly, it means a, a whole lot of right-hand bats in, in there. And we've got a whole lot of right-hand pitching, so maybe there's something there. But it definitely takes some time to process, and really, we need to see what are we going to present besides Bundy and Gossman in this starting rotation. All right, so now we know Tyler Chatwood's off the board. We also know that Mike Fears is off the board what what appeals to you out there? Uh, and I'll I'll just have to reiterate: we had Dan O'Dowd on the show last week, and I posed the question to Dan about if you are the agent for Lance Lynn, Jason Vargas, or Alex Cobb, do you really let the Orioles get deep into the negotiations where they're the team you're about to sign with, knowing that that physical, the medicals are looming? And he said, absolutely not, unless they're the only team bidding for you. Right. And I have that concern. I also, uh, and now you got Stanton in the division. So why would you want to come and pitch against Stanton? Right. Um, so I, I, I've been saying for months, Alex Cobb is the guy. If the Orioles want to show me that they're serious, Alex Cobb is the only pitcher on the market that I trust to come in and pitch well in the AL East. But if you want to say, but I get it, he's probably not going to sign here. So I got to look at those lower level guys. So I'm okay with the Tillman coming back. Right. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Miguel Gonzalez coming back. I, it's not like he pitched great when he left. Um, I think Sebastia is interesting, and I hate saying that as an Oriole fan that I would like to have Sebastia. I think I find him fascinating to, to ponder on, but he's not going to leave the New York Yankees. They're not going to. And let that's him my go. thought too. They yeah. still have money; they can still bring him back, and they still need pitching. 
Let's not kid ourselves. The one thing the Yankees right. are slightly suspect on is pitching. But with the year yeah. Tanaka had, the year Severino had, Sonny Gray getting settled in there, uh, but I th- and J- Jordan Montgomery, and I think they very much need Sabathia back there. to, to sol- They still may, may even need to, to try and get one more pitcher. Right, right. And that's the thing is everyone needs pitching. You always need pitching. Right. Um, and my fear is that we're not going to get any pitching. Uh, that's that's uh, my fear. I think you're looking right. right now, seriously. I think Miguel Gonzalez, and I'll throw a name we haven't heard here in Baltimore, but the reason you're not hearing him in Baltimore is you're not hearing him anywhere else. Derek Holland is a former name that's just the kind of guy that Dan will convince, you know, look at some numbers from three years ago before his injuries and say, hmm, he's a qualified major league pitcher, you know. Uh, and I think that that's what we're looking at. Miguel Gonzalez and um, possibly Tillman back and possibly a Derek Holland type of pitcher. Not, yeah, too, not too exciting, is it? No, no. He's, I mean, he's, he's from the White Sox, right? The Rangers yeah, he used to be Sox with the Rangers. He used to be with the Rangers. He was pretty good yeah. with the Rangers, yep. Yeah, and, and he wasn't bad for the White Sox either. But uh, nah, he I'd wasn't. Be fine with that. He wasn't real good with the rain, with the White Sox last year. That's why he's out there and nobody else is interested in him. But go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll get his. Yeah. I'll get his numbers up here in a second. I I got it right here. He went seven and fourteen and pitched a six point two zero. Right, which I believe is better than Miguel Gonzalez and Chris Tillman. So again, not, he's that. Not better. Not better than. Not better than Miguel Gonzalez's numbers last year. Miguel Gonzalez okay. was like 4.62, but better than Miley or Ubaldo. Yes. Yeah, and I, but really, is that what we're going to accept? Well, is, I mean, you know, again, again they, they wanted Mike Fears, but they valued him at maybe five five point seven a year for two years, and they let the right. Tigers, who are a disaster in my opinion, the Tigers, they let the Tigers swoop in and steal a guy who, I'm telling you, his, his major league numbers, if you take away last year, they are so far superior to the Wade Miley's, the Baldo Jimenez's, and what we got out of Tillman last year. It's not even funny. His career his career whip is probably about 1.3. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I take that. And, and it really comes down to, yeah, if we had guys better than Ubaldo, and better than Miley, if we had just one guy in the rotation instead of both of those guys, this team could have made a better push this past year. And it really does come down to one pitcher can affect the team that much. Go hey, ahead, Bonzo. Uh, yeah, um, this is a question for both for both of you, but Josh, I want you to answer first. You guys obviously talk about pitching because that's the main issue, but do you see the Orioles at all during this free agency maybe picking up some sort of position player, maybe even in the outfield where there may not be that much depth? Uh, yes, because I don't think we can get the pitching. And I think we are looking – I think if Sam Duquette has to be looking past this season and saying, all right, well, if Manny's not returning, I'm taking phone calls on Manny now. So if Manny is not coming back, we need someone in this infield. The Buck doesn't seem to trust Beckham, so we could use another infielder. 
And then you know, there is the whole outfield. But I think our outfield is starting to come together. I, I think the rumors of Marquecas being on the market is interesting, that, of bringing a guy back like that that you can trust in right field. Or, I mean, I've heard you could have Hayes in center field and then put Jones to right. Uh, yeah. If you're I get willing that. to make and that choice on a young player like Hayes. I know. I, 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 my fear is that the Orioles organization is losing the trust and support of Adam Jones. And that's really frustrating to me to see a guy who has put his heart out there, who's played so hard for this Orioles organization, who's given so much back to the city of Baltimore. And he's not content. He's calling for meetings with Peter Angelos. He wants to see a winning team behind him. And I feel just bad for him with the type of outfield we put around him. Well, listen, you know, again, it really all boils down to the pitching. And again, the pitching philosophy is to be as stingy as possible wherever wherever possible. And I'll tell you, when you make... When Dan Duquette, and again, I use I kiddingly use the phrase that Hillary Clinton used about Trump and Trump supporters a basket of deplorables. It, in my opinion, what Peter Angelos does by his philosophy of not going after top tier pitching and being willing to pay for that, he gives Dan Duquette a basket of deplorables and says, "Here's what you can pick from." Pick two or three of these guys, and, and that's why you get Wade Miley. That's why you get Ubaldo. And could could Ubaldo could Ubaldo's contract have worked out? Yes, it could have, but it didn't, and there was a reason it didn't, and it was because it wasn't a high likelihood to have worked out. But if you sign Jake Arrieta to a three or four year contract, there's a high likelihood that that could work out. Just my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I think Jake Arrieta has some personal issues with Baltimore, so I don't think he would come back here. Okay, so it's not Jake um, Arrieta. It's anybody that's that caliber and are not willing to pay those dollars. That's that's really right. what this boils down to. Right, the U Darvish sitting out there this year, and they're not going to open up I, for that. I wouldn't pay U Darvish. I, I'm nervous about him after his – he hasn't been a fantastic pitcher. Especially since after the World Series. After the rotator cuff injury. Uh, I mean, after right. the Tommy John surgery. Josh, we really always appreciate it. We're never going to agree on everything, but we agree on one thing. We're Oriole fans. Love them or hate them, uh, we're Oriole fans. All, All right. right. Have a good show. All right, my friend. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about Chick-fil-A on Sundays. All right? If you want Chick-fil-A. You can do that? Yeah. Yeah, if you you haven't been here the last couple of weeks listening to these ads, Chick-fil-A hmm. on Sundays. With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays. Perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. That's Chick-fil-A on Sundays, but you better act today. Otherwise, you can't have Chick-fil-A on Sundays. Gotcha. All right. Sounds good. All right. When we get back... Bonds and I are going to talk a little bit about Shohei Otani and about something Dan du- Dan O'Dowd said last week on this show. Dan Duquette? Not Dan Duquette. <laughs> Dan O'Dowd said on this show about Shohei Otani. We'll chat about that, and then we'll grab Andy Dolich to talk about that stadium deal that, again, is frittering away in Oakland. 
smooth sand, cool waves, tasty food, and awesome tunes. Grab your friends and form a team for the Maryland State Police Polar Bear Plunge and help Special Olympics Maryland athletes like me, Candace Whiting. You can support me and my fellow athletes around the state as we compete in 27 sports throughout the year. Go to plungemd.com to sign up today. Proudly sponsored by Aerotech, New Day USA, St. John Properties, Chick-fil-A, and Famous Dave's. What we do with our lives defines us, so consider a path that gives you an array of opportunities for your future. The U.S. Army gives you skills and experiences that make you a well-rounded person. With many ways to serve that align with your goals, you'll become a stronger individual. Find out more at GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.goarmy.com slash football. There's strong, then there's Army Strong. Paid for by the United States Army. The latest edition of Press Box is now available. On the cover, Bo Smoka dives into the relationship between Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco and head coach John Harbaugh, now in their 10th season of working together. Plus, her in-depth college basketball preview looks at all of the Division I men's and women's teams in Maryland. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Paracel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit GiveTheGoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's GiveTheGoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on Pressbox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game... Glenn is joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can cater your holiday party, and now you can order the catering trays and delivery online. Go to Chick-fil-A.com and select Nottingham Square as your store and place your order. Did you know that Chick-fil-A offers the Grilled Chicken Bundle, a catering tray where everyone can build their own grilled chicken sandwich? Plus, Chick-fil-A offers chicken nugget catering trays with up to 200 nuggets per tray and chicken strip trays with up to 75 chicken strips. Call Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. You can pick it up or he'll bring it to you. That's 410-931-0031. 
All right, we are back on the bat around, and we, we did have a, a, a slice of tape from Dan, du, Dan O'Dowd from last Saturday morning, <clears throat> but it was going to run a little longer than I wanted because we're going to have Andy Dolich on in a second. Basically, Bonza, so I'm going to cut to the chase. What he was asked, what he said last week was, I think Shohei Otani can be a great starting pitcher or a great hitter. I have my doubts as to whether or not he can be great at both. There's a reason nobody else has done this since the great Babe Ruth, like, uh, you know, 90, 90 years ago. Uh, your thoughts on that topic? I've talked, I've like, when in my experience of baseball, most coaches, if not every coach that I've worked with, don't believe in two-way players. Right. I'm not exactly sure why, because, I mean, in the National League, the starting pitcher technically is a two-way player because he has to hit. So my thought process with Otani was, why couldn't he go to an NL team? It was, why wasn't that a possibility where he has to he can pitch and then he can hit in the number nine spot? And if he's doing well, if he's having a great yeah, outing. Yeah, but you don't gain, if you think that there is something to a value, great value to him as a hitter mm-hmm. in the National League, what's become apparent in the last week hearing people talk about it, he hasn't played in the field in three years. He stopped playing the field in Japan. I think it's back in 2014 was the last year he played in the field. So the American League provides you, and do you want him in the field, running into walls, potentially caroming off of other players, right. especially when he's inexperienced at it. So you're going to use him as a designated hitter. The question is, Kevin Millar, I heard him on yesterday on with Steve Phillips and Eduardo Perez, he says hitting is a craft you got to work at it. Right. And start and pitching to to be really great and continue being great, you got to work on that. That's a craft. And basically saying uh, echoing what Dan O'Dowd said that I have grave doubts that he can be great at both things. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Do you like would you consider Bumgarner a good hitter? I consider him a good hitter for for, for a, pitcher. a pitcher. Okay, yeah. I wouldn't DH him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, on that team, I might consider DHing him in an American League park. But anyway, I think it's an interesting topic. All right, let's make our contact with uh, Mr. Dolich out there on the left coast, and we'll talk to him about uh, the left coast. The left coast. I never heard anyone said the left coast before. Oh, if you look at a map, they're on the left coast. So we're on the right coast. We're on the right coast. I'm going to say that from now on, yeah. the right coast. You don't have to say it from now on. You can say it <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. The east is the right coast, and the uh, left is the uh, the west coast is the left coast. Andy Dolich, uh, a major league executive in in all four major sports, uh, and now a sports business consultant both to teams and businesses. Uh, Andy's going to join us in just a minute. He's not answering? Okay. Uh, Andy is going to talk to us about the stadium deal that we talked to him about six weeks ago about. Uh, a new deal was on the table out in uh, in the Oakland area. It was tiny Peralta Community College. Uh, I think the city is Lanny, California. And uh, the A's were negotiating with the school. And we have Andy on with us. All right. Joining us now is longtime sports executive, now sports consultant, and uh, also a teacher. And that is Andy Dolich. Andy, how are you? 
Good morning from the left coast. I can't believe that's the first time that Bonza that, has ever heard it called the left coast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, kids today, what do they know? That's right. Hey, before we before we get into talking about why I really had you on to talk about this stadium deal, the two biggest stories in baseball kind of cascaded over the last 12, 15 hours with the news that Shohei Otani has signed his American League deal with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And then less than 24 hours later, the New York Yankees have apparently acquired Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, your thoughts on those two moves? The first part, I just smile where all the experts, yep. I don't think, had Stanton at the Yankees and Otani with the Angels. Correct. Uh, although there'll be a long line of people who today said, see, I told you so. Um, here in the Bay Area, uh, the A's, uh, I, it was kind of funny, Stan, that Otani said the A's aren't on my list, and the A's ha <laughs> didn't have him or anybody else on their list. Uh, but the Giants were really active in trying to get Stanton because they were playing the sort of Barry Bonds card. Yep. Like, okay, we've had a horrible season. Uh, we're going to reload. We're going to bring this incredible player to San Francisco. Uh, tons and tons of media. They also played the Otani card pretty hard. So I'm sure uh, over the weekend, the Giants are going to take some major hits uh, for the fact that neither player uh, has ended up on their roster. Uh we just got word from John Morosi that John Carlos Stanton is expected to formally approve his trade to the New York Yankees, as Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic uh, uh, has reported. There are no indications that the Dodgers are making serious efforts to acquire Stanton today. So that news becoming closer to official. Uh, and I guess that's, a, that's one great advantage, Stan, to the Giants because – the evil empire of all Giants fans is the Dodgers. Right. Um, so the fact that he's on the East Coast, or it looks like he's going to be on the East Coast, and don't you love the fact that the fluid that runs through the veins of sports is green? Uh, so the teams that have the most cash, and I was listening to you talk about the Orioles, uh, which is the same sort of situation that the A's are in, but much worse, where you kind of question whether ownership really wants to win a championship. And to me, in professional sports, either trying to win a championship or creating a strategy to win one is the only thing that really matters. Yeah, that's what should matter. There's no question about it. It was be, you know, it struck me it would have been really funny if Otani had cited the lack of a stadium deal in Oakland as the reason the A's were not on his list. I don't think he stated anything other than I'm not going there. Right. But if I was in Oakland, I would have gone to his uh, advisors and said, the stadium will be named after him. He can bring <laughs> any sponsors he wants from the globe. He can play all nine positions anytime he wants. And is there anything else that you'd like him to do? We're ready to roll. Is, is there any chance the A's could have gone back to their former stadium sponsor, O.com? And told him it was named after him. O dot. You know that's that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it was the O dot co, right? O dot co. That's the, right. O dot yeah, co. O dot co. 
but I'm not sure today whether O.co still exists, so that would probably even be better. What was O.co? I mean, obviously it was a website for something, but I had never knew what it was. Yeah, I think they were a low-price retail-type company, like dollar stores, but I'm not absolutely positive. Right. That stadium um, has had a number of different names over time, uh, and now it's back to the Oakland Coliseum, which is sort of a segue maybe to the whole Peralta uh, decision that was reached earlier in the week so, uh, that so- looks like the A's desire to play uh, at Peralta, which is a few miles north of where the Coliseum is, seems to be in serious jeopardy. We had you on about, I'm guessing about six weeks ago when I first read the story about this, and you called it, it's the first hand in the Peralta poker, you called it, and you ended our conversation by saying there is no deal in place where the A's have either purchased the property or got an agreement with the with the school, and I found it very odd that they were that far out on their skis, that's the expression I'll use, to be talking about this almost like it was a fait accompli when it was so early in the, in the feeling out process. Well, let's go to baseball analogies. I mean, they were rounding third going to home. If you had read everything coming out of the A's offices about the Peralta Park, uh, this is where we're building. This is what the stadium will look like. We're going to build uh, retail and a transportation uh, intersection around the stadium. We're going to take care of all the infrastructure. We're going to build new ramps off of the 880 freeway, uh, which is bumper to bumper 24 hours a day. Um, and we're going to open in 2023. So that was the first warning signal. Who says we're going to open something in 2023? In the nanosecond mindset of the Bay Area, 2023 might as well be 2033. Right. Uh, The 49ers built their place in two and a half years. The Warriors are opening up their new arena in San Francisco in 2019. The uh, The Sacramento Kings have a beautiful new building called the Golden One Center in Sacramento which went up pretty quickly. Whatever you can believe about the Raiders, they've at least uh, had a groundbreaking in Vegas. We'll see what really happens there. (laughs) And so to your point, they didn't own the land. They didn't have a lease on the land. They didn't negotiate a price. They didn't have a memorandum of understanding. That's like saying, if you had the most valuable baseball card in the world, and you just found out that I always wanted that, but that I just won Powerball. I right. think the price of that card would go up by, what, 50 times, 100 times? And that's the negotiating position that the A's put the Peralta College Community District in, and their board uh, in a meeting just said, uh, no. But if you really read through what they said, they said, no, not at this time. Not at this time. Which which means that you want to come back to us sometime in the future. You want to put a bigger ante in, in this Peralta poker game. We might think about it. However, you've got 15 acres of land at this Peralta site. Right. Which you're jamming all of this um, ballpark, retail, 
living uh, new new uh, living spaces, apartments, condos, and the Coliseum, which is going to be empty, has anywhere from 150 to 200 acres of land that you could literally start building today if you wanted to. Really, I didn't realize the I didn't realize the Oakland Alameda Coliseum sat on that much land. That, that is rather staggering. The difference, yeah, yeah, and and the A's have said when people ask the logical question, okay, the Warriors are leaving, so you have this arena which will never have another major tenant. Um, you're not going to have a hockey team or another NBA basketball team playing in it. Can you get some concerts and family shows? Sure, but the Bay Area has a lot of new arenas uh, and a lot of facilities that are multi-purpose, especially the fact that you have a new arena coming on in San Francisco and a new one in Sacramento and a great arena in San Jose. That's where traveling shows uh, will check the boxes, not Oakland. So you could knock that down. The joint use stadium, the last one left in sports in the country between an NFL and Major League Baseball team, the Raiders lease stand only goes through 2019. So you could literally tell the Raiders, hey, Get go lost. play at Levi's, yeah, go, uh, where yeah. the Niners play, which is what the NFL has always wanted, or go play at Cal, or go to play in Sam Boyd Stadium, your new uh, home that you love in Las Vegas until your new dome stadium is built and the A's could start construction because the Warriors will be gone. Immediately. The the Raiders would be gone. Yeah. Does the whole deal strike you? It almost seems like one of those old sitcoms or old movies from the sixties where the sophisticates come into this small bumpkin like town and just because they want something, they think, well, it's going to be no problem to talk these idiots into this. I mean, is it that they felt that there wasn't going to be the sophistication of the Peralta people that run that college to have assessed what the value really was? Did they think that they were somehow elitist coming up with this notion? No, I don't buy that. If we use the movie analogy, it's somewhere between it's a mad, 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 mad world and the sting. <laughs> right. And I'm not sure. We won't go into movie history, but right. you know what I'm talking I about. I know, yeah. And hopefully some listeners. So the level of sophistication, I think, goes out the window because the A's have tried to build in Fremont, south of Oakland. They've said, oh, we're going to build a new stadium in San Jose right next to where the Sharks play in SAP. But the Giants said, oh, excuse me, we have the territorial rights given to us years ago. Then the A's looked at a place called Victory Court, which is near Jack London Square on the water. Then they also looked at a location which now houses one of the largest flea markets in Northern California (laughs) across the street from the Coliseum. And none of those have worked out. And so... I don't know what the A's strategy is. Clearly, uh, we've talked about this before. John Fisher, who is the Howard Hughes of baseball team owners, uh, very few people uh, have ever seen him. He never talks in any way, shape, or form and about he, the ball club. He, he purchased the team. He, took, he purchased. Cry poor mouth. 
Andy, he and purchased the team from Steve Schott, right? Correct. Okay. For about $150 million. Right. right now, if he said, you know, enough of this, uh, I'm rich because I'm the son of the man that created the Gap, uh, the Gap store fortune, um, I'm worth about, uh, I think Forbes has them stand at about $2.5 billion. Okay. So the argument that we don't have the money doesn't work. The A's are a major beneficiary of Major League Baseball revenue sharing to the tune of 30-plus million a year. Now that money is going away by an increment of 25% each year down to zero okay. in 2021. Okay. But his original investment is easily worth $800 million, and that's on the low side mm-hmm. to sell the team. And I speak to people that deal in the the selling of teams, the bankers, and not one of them has said there's any viable conversations that have been held uh, between Fisher and those people that are usually involved in those transactions. So the strategy here seems very, very illogical. And that's what has A's fans really frustrated and they've lost, you know, easily two thirds of their market since the glory days of, you know, the late eighties, early early nineties. Yeah, when Tony Larusa was there. Yeah, we're talking with Andy Dolich, major sports executive uh, for all four major sports. Now a, a consultant, teacher, writer in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, how much mud was on the A's collective faces uh, when this came down in the last few days that the Peralta College people said, nah, not now? The two words, uh, the, the, the statement that the team released, and President uh, Dave Cobble has been the point person here. He's out there. Previous to him, it was Lou Wolf. Dave has been a real positive force. He mm-hmm. opened up. Uh, back to the community. He's trying as hard as he can to win fan loyalty back. But when you trade the Josh Donaldsons and other great players that the A's have and say, we don't have the money, people know that that's disingenuous. So the statement from the team said, A, we're shocked, and B, and B we have no plan B. Mm. Well, this is big boy. This is a big boy poker game, as I like to call it. Right. Don't tell me you're shocked. It's sports. You should never, ever, never be, shocked. be shocked. And if right. you are, don't ever say it. Right. And to say that we have no plan B, any operator in this business, especially when it comes to building a new venue, um, doesn't just have a plan B. They have everything all the way down to Z because that's how these situations uh need to be marketed, need to be, uh, you need to look at the economics, the politics, the environment. So I found that extremely depressing that they would say, A, we're yep. shocked, and B, there's no plan B. Doesn't give you a lot of leverage when you go back and try and engage in round two of Peralta poker. But they do have leverage, and that is the really odd part about this. Um, I think this is a sitcom uh, or a drama. I'm not sure which one, Stan. Maybe it's a mashup that we could sell to Netflix. 
because they're going to be, or if you believe that the Raiders are absolutely positively going to Vegas, and most people do, I still have a bit of a question, but let's say they're gone. Okay. Uh, the, the Warriors are gone. Then you're the literally you're literally the last team standing. So you have you have massive negotiating power if you play the card, which people are just speculating. I don't think it's real. Oh, let's look at San Antonio. Right. Let's look at Charlotte. Let's look at Portland. Portland, right? Let's look at some other marketplaces. Let's look at Mexico City as a wild one. Don't think that's you know on any. I don't think that's on Rob Manfred's list um, as as a negotiating point because they've said that their stadium, their dream stadium, is going to seat thirty five thousand. So I defer to your baseball knowledge. Doesn't that make it the smallest ballpark in the majors? Yeah, if not smallest, right there with PNC and Pittsburgh. But I think Pittsburgh's 36 or 37. A, you take it out of the realm of competing with other stadiums for large concerts, of e-gaming world championships, which are coming on big time, stuff that's going to happen in the future. You automatically take that. Um, completely off the table. Why would you do that as a business person? And they've said, to the ace credit, they've said this is going to be 100% privately financed. But John Fisher, whose money it is, hasn't necessarily said it's going to be 100% uh, financed by my money. And what about the infrastructure that would be needed at Peralta, which experts say could be anywhere's from a hundred to two hundred million dollars, and take years. I doubt that Mr. Fisher is going to write the check for that. Correct. So this is an enigma wrapped in a mystery, shrouded in who knows next. But I think, if I were to predict, uh, the A's are going to come back to the poker table with a bigger number. Say, can we quietly talk about this? If that doesn't work, and it absolutely is off the table. Uh, to me, it's always been the Coliseum because if you really want to hit a home run in that trite analogy, mm-hmm. you could you could build out what uh, if you look at what's being done in and around what the Giants were the forerunner of in Mission Bay in San Francisco. Right, right. It's one of the more miraculous developments in and around uh, a stadium that I've ever seen in any major American city. And the same exact circumstance could happen in Oakland at the Coliseum with vision, money, and cooperation. All right. Good way to end it today, Andy. Uh, Timetable. How soon do you think they go back to the Peralta folks? And how soon do they get an answer, whether it's a, a really resounding no or not? This this time of the year, as we know, is the Bermuda Triangle of getting anything done because nope. decision makers go, hey, I'll see you January 15th when I'm back from this vacation or that event. So I would think if there's any traction stand to uh, the game continuing at the green and gold felt table, it'd be probably mid-January. And then we'll know whether that has traction where they really have to go to the Coliseum, or they've got some other card uh, 
hidden up their sleeve. So we'll see. All right. Sounds like the Coliseum. You've always been a proponent of that making most sense. I did not realize they had over 100 acres there on on that site. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing opportunity. You know, who would everything's possible, right? How yeah. much snow do you have in Baltimore today? Uh, less less than a half an inch right oh, now. Okay. It's really but virtually that's still, nothing. That's still Washington, Baltimore from my days. That's still it's, stay off the road. Exactly. Still it melts. Exactly. All right, Andy, many thanks. Hope you and your family have great holidays. And if you see the Rube, tell him I said hello. I always see him, and he's taking credit for any success that you and I have. Uh, best to all your listeners and to you. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. There he goes. One of the smartest men in the sports field, Andy Dolich. Uh, just fascinating, Bonds, isn't it, the way that that's playing out there in uh, just a couple miles north of Oakland, California. It really does teach you a lot about how stuff like that goes because obviously I have no idea how it works, and when you bring Andy in, it kind of – lights up the bulb for you as to the process and how complicated it is and how many different situations and how many different costs and expenses and it's everything that's involved with it. It's kind of, you know, eye-opening. Yeah, really is, really is. All right, we're going to take one final time out, and we'll say our goodbyes and wrap uh, this program up for Saturday, the 9th of December. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can cater your holiday party, and now you can order the catering trays and delivery online. Go to Chick-fil-A.com and select Nottingham Square as your store and place your order. Did you know that Chick-fil-A offers the Grilled Chicken Bundle, a catering tray where everyone can build their own grilled chicken sandwich? Plus, Chick-fil-A offers chicken nugget catering trays with up to 200 nuggets per tray and chicken strip trays with up to 75 chicken strips. Call Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. You can pick it up or he'll bring it to you. That's 410-931-0031. The Parkcell Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Everyone knows that Full Circle Tire and Auto in Abingdon, that's where I take my vehicle whenever I have any issue whatsoever. And that's because there's a Full Circle difference. They understand my vehicle is my life and they know they need to get it taken care of in a timely manner and work with me to make arrangements. In fact, the most recent time that I took my vehicle to Full Circle Tire and Auto, Dave, he simply gave me a ride home personally after I dropped my car off there. That's the difference they make at Full Circle Tire and Auto. You can stop in and see them. 1304 Governor's Court Unit 110 in Abingdon. Give them a call 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS or find them on the web fullcircletirenauto.com. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KOO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. 
the the other type of football. No, no, we don't. We don't. No. Never. No. Yeah, not really. Tennis. No. Nope. Rugby. Nope. No. Just no. football. Just NFL football. football. College. College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit GiveTheGoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's GiveTheGoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. Great music, great food, and a great cause. For an even better time, just add water. Water from the Chesapeake Bay at Sandy Point State Park. My name is Anu Singleton. Your support helps me achieve my dreams. Choose to plunge at the Maryland State Police Polar Bear Plunge on January 27th. Go to PlungeMD.com to sign up today. Proudly sponsored by Aerotech, New Day USA, St. John Properties, The Green Turtle, and Ram's Head. We are back to wrap things up on the batter round. Many thanks to our guests today, Rich Dubroff, Josh Soroka, Roger Mooney of the Tampa Times, and, of course, my good friend, longtime friend, Andy Dolich from out there in the Oakland, San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, Andy's been a longtime executive, has worked in all four major sports and uh, worked for a variety of businesses in the world of sports, uh, just not, really knows his stuff. Not many people can say they were an executive for a team in four, all four major sports. I'm still not sure I know of anybody else that has worked in all four major sports. There probably is somebody, but uh, I don't know anybody. That's all an right? incredible resume. All right, next week, I think Mr. Heist is off next week. So I'm going to see if I can get Mr. Gladstone in here. But, uh. if, but if Plan A doesn't work... I've got plan B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z. You're always prepared, aren't you? I'm always prepared. Oh, Stan. All right, have a great week ahead. Bonza, have a great week ahead to all our listeners and viewers on Facebook. And don't forget, tomorrow morning, 10 to 12, uh, Fantasy and Reality Football Show with Ken Zalis and the NFL Chick. Uh, And uh, tomorrow night, I'm sure there's a special edition of uh, Project Game Day uh, before the game and at halftime. Uh, That does wrap us up for the week. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer here every day of the week, Monday through Friday. All right, have a great sports weekend ahead, everybody. (laughs) 